Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast Supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. And I, I think that if Burkamp's penalty goes in, we win 1-0. Happy days. United don't win a treble. I'm not even sure they'd have maybe perhaps gone on to win the league. Maybe their confidence have been dented for that dramatic finish in Europe. Who knows? You know, it's kind of one of those sliding doors moments. Welcome back to It's Always Us. It's season two, episode one, with me, James Regal, and... Me, Jamie McDonald. How are you, James? It's been a while. Why is that? It has been. It's been a while. Um, I'd like to say there are extenuating circumstances. Mm -hmm. Work is busy. We had Christmas. Mm -hmm. Uh, But generally... It's April, James. Yeah. Well, the thing is, Jamie... Football took a bit of a turn for the worse for me since Christmas. <laughs> oh, James, that I you've not mentioned it. That's strange. Yeah, so it was kind of what hard. What happened? I can't I seem to remember the way we last we left off that Tottenham were surging forward in the league and it was all sunshine and rainbows and were well, you going to win the league? I was pretty sure that was declared maybe on the even on this podcast. We absolutely were, and it's a travesty that we didn't. Um, what happened, James? What happened? Jose Mourinho happened. Oh, Jose Mourinho happened. Um, I was never really fully Jose out, but it's. I, th- I think it's time. Are you going to say it now, out loud? Uh, I'm not. I'm not calling for his head, but I just can't see how it's how he can continue. I can't see how it can continue. But the last one we recorded was right before the North London derby, it which was. we won. Mm. I was really looking forward to getting back and gloating about that until we then went played awfully and lost to you quite recently. Yeah. Um, so the pendulum has swung back the other way, and yes, it I has. now have the opportunity to gloat, and I even got. We've even got our own episode. This is the finally, guys. I've been hounding James so long to talk about Arsenal, and this finally we now have the opportunity to to talk all about the mighty Arsenal. Sorry, I was just great. sick of my mouth a little bit. Um, mm. So before we get on to that, oh, there's always something. There is. Well, I think we need to we need to thank our sponsor once again, the the Natural Barber Company. So I'm going to tell you a little bit about them, Jamie. Okay. I'm going to I'm going to do this professionally this time. All right. Good. Okay, so fed up with stinging eyes from melting hair wax whilst playing on stage, former musician Joe Mallory Skinner thought enough is enough and decided to create a natural hair styling product that's sustainable and actually works. Uh, And I know Joe, uh, and he did do this. So this isn't just marketing jargon, Mm -hmm. I promise you. (laughs) And if someone from PR says it's not PR, then we know it's not PR. Exactly. (laughs) That's the trick. (laughs) So he created dozens of prototypes of this product in his own kitchen, testing it out on his felt on himself on his friends uh and in local markets in april 2019 natural barber company was born it's been seen in the likes of gq es magazine the times all their products and this is important all their products are made with natural ingredients sourced from sustainable suppliers so You're super eco super eco you will find no nasties like parabens and things i can't even say the word synthetic Ugh. fragrances in those hair products but they work just as well if not better than traditional hair styling products uh and not only that but they're also a registered cruelty free brand meaning your hair wax hasn't been tested on any animals don't need to see animals with cool hair mm-hmm. no. no one wants to see that absolutely not pro footballers like gareth bale love him 
calls the natural barber company, and I quote, his go-to hair product, Boyo. It's a Welsh thing. Okay, good. Boy, right. Yeah, that's not in the read, but I added that for, <laughs> for humor. It clearly didn't work. No. Uh, and with the mission, do no harm, leave no trace, venture on. This is the perfect brand to be supporting our show. Absolutely. So Natural Barber Company, very kindly given our listeners £4 off any order. £4 off any order. Just go to naturalbarber.co and at checkout, enter the code always us in capital letters. And that's four quid off to make your hair look lovely in a safe and sustainable way. That's great. Fantastic. So I remember the last time we did these adverts, you were eulogizing about that Gareth Bale was going to be, you know, set the Premier League alight. And to be fair, he scored a couple of decent goals. But again, maybe maybe it's just we're in the Arsenal podcast, so we need to get straight to the Arsenal stuff. I don't want to rag on Tottenham for too long. No, because that's basically what happened in the entire podcast, yes, listener, as you're about to hear. So we, 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 we had a, a great guy called uh, Graham Goodkind, and he'll introduce himself on the pod. Old friend of mine, uh, he came on to talk about Arsenal, and of course with our friend Jamie here, the Arsenal fan, and um, wanted to hear about why, what the worst things that happened to Arsenal. Uh, I'm not going to spoil it, but I'll leave you to decide whether you think they've had it hard or not. I definitely had a hard time with them um, taking the piss out of Tottenham, but of course that's their right. I expected it, um, and it was all good fun. Mm-hmm. I mean, you initiated some of it. There was some, you know... It was almost like you wanted us to, to have a go, you know? Yeah, much I, like Tottenham, you make it far too easy. The issue is right now is I hate them as much as you, so <laughs> really it doesn't matter to me anymore. This will go down well in Spurs country. It will, it will. Um, so look, why don't, we, why don't we get into it then? Why don't we uh, get into It's Always Us with the Arsenal. The mighty So welcome, Graham Goodkind, to It's Always Us podcast. Thanks for being here. Thanks for having me. Looking forward to it. A bit nervous, but sort of, sort of excited as well. Now, this, is, this, this was a hard one for me to stomach, Graham, because as, as you know, we, we're going to talk about how we go back a, a little while. But as a Spurs fan, I've been dreading this day a little bit. We, we've done Spurs already, and Jamie had to sit through that. So it was I'm, a great day. I don't know what you're saying. Sit through it. I loved every second of it, to be honest. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it like that, you know, we're going to be talking about your misfortune. So actually, I might enjoy this more than I, I think I, I will. Um, how did you pack? How did you do the Spurs one in just one episode then? Oh, I know, right? It yeah. needs to be a part two, really, Graham. That's, uh, well, that's uh, you could do a whole series, let alone two parts. Yeah. The, right. the, the thing is with that, Graham, actually, is, is and listeners will know this who, who heard it, is we actually had Mickey Hazard on as one of our guests, and he was way too positive. Because I, I got into go right, you know, we've spoken to Orient, we've spoken to Newcastle and, and a few others, QPR. No one's had it worse than Spurs in terms of bad luck. And he's there going, oh, it's not that bad. You know, we should all just be happy for what we've got. And I'm like, no, Mickey, no. Like, that, that's, not, that's, not, that's not how this podcast works. So actually, we probably do need another episode with someone a bit more depressive than Mickey Hassan because he's just too nice. He's just too nice. But um, Graham, let's talk a little bit about yourself before we, we get into uh, those dirty, dirty gooners. Um, so yeah, you're a man who's, uh, how do we describe you? I mean, you're, you're an entrepreneur, a, a PR man. How, how do you describe yourself these days? Yeah, no, no, pretty much that. I mean, that's that's nice ways of describing me. Other people might say something entirely different. But yeah, I'm, uh, I'm the chairman and founder of a PR agency called Frank, which has been going for coming up to 21 years, um, set it up um, back in 2000. 
uh, and um, sort of grown it and it's continued to be uh, a really great business, you know, predominantly in the UK. We also had an office uh, in Australia um, uh, and um, just doing creative ideas led campaigns with talkability as we like to call it. And I'm still kind of having as much fun as I had when I set it up all those years ago. Just recently did um, uh, last month uh, MBO. So managed to, I sold the business in 2007 and managed to buy it back uh, last month, as I said. So it, it sort of feels like, a, well, it's an independent agency again and feels a bit like a startup again. So loving it as much as ever, um, probably a bit less time for home and away matches i'll still have to do the home matches and focus a bit more on work so i'm um, looking forward to that as well and can i can i talk a little bit about some of the work because listeners might not have heard necessarily of frank pr but if you if you recently tweeted anything about beans on weetabix then uh, that was down to you guys wasn't it that was uh yeah i mean i, I guess it was probably uh, in all those 20 odd years it's it's been the most successful campaign that we've we've run we recently um we worked for weetabix and have worked them for a number of years and obviously weetabix has been about since 1932 as a breakfast cereal and not a lot has changed so our task is to constantly come up with good creative ideas that get weetabix talked about or tweeted about or you know shared on social media etc and so we're, we're tasked with that as our brief and we came up with the idea and the insight of unusual food combinations being something that we tend to talk about with each other quite a lot i don't know about you but you know my wife for example you know she uh, loves smoked salmon as i love smoked salmon being a good jewish boy i like my smoked salmon um and she likes hp sauce and i like hp sauce but independently she loves it together we have a sunday we'll go and get some smoked salmon and she'll slap hp sauce all over it. i'm looking oh my god i love them separately but combine them and nah, that doesn't work so people have their unusual food combinations you guys probably have as well um and um we sort of had that as the insight and then we started doing that for Weetabix because Weetabix were keen also to show their versatility so we paired Weetabix up with um, a few brands Innocence Movies being one um, uh, a peanut butter brand being another Marmite uh, being another as well um, and obviously baked beans being another when we we kind of released that as a sequence of suggested um, food combinations and obviously had a bit of um, as they call sort of brand going on because we did the Weetabix and beans and then followed it up with those three others that we'd already um, staged and um, all sorts of other brands started to chip in say how horrendous it was offer their own suggestions sort of have a go at us from all sort of things my favorite one is actually at the end of the day and I'm watching it all and, and, and the state of Israel the official state of Israel Twitter account said something like you know finally one thing we can all agree and this is after it was going mad all day on Twitter and literally hundreds of upon hundreds of thousands of, of tweets and mentions and people commenting on other brands. We had 600 separate brands piling on or piling in to the whole debate. State of Israel comes up. So finally, on their official uh, channels, so finally something all Middle East and states can agree on, just no. Um, and I thought, I thought, I thought, wow, you know, exactly middle eastern peace solved like that the best best pr campaign we've ever done and 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 to eclipse that sort of the next morning it was all over um every sort of radio breakfast show was sort of trying it and talking about how weetabix and beans tasted it was on uh, good morning uh, uh, uh britain with uh, peers uh, where he gave a lovely shout out for frank as the agency behind it as well but was eating his his um his his weetabix with beans it was on philip schofield later on this morning it was everywhere it was you know you know james you've 
kind of worked in PR as well long enough, you know, you kind of know when you've got a winner on your hands. So it went everywhere. The client was delighted. And what rounded off was the next day, um, up pops uh, an MP in the House of Commons. And uh, he decides to uh, raise the fact that um, the subject of Weetabix and beans urgently needs to be debated by um, this parliament because it's a subject apparently that has been even more divisive for the nation than Brexit. And I'm like watching this going, what? Jacob yeah. Rees-Mogg. Jacob Rees-Mogg agrees, so it's kind of got Labour and Conservative uh, endorsement um, on it, and he's agreeing and telling everyone how much in the chambers how much he loves um, baked uh, Weetabix and well, not baked beans. He loved Weetabix. He actually hated baked beans, um, and and so there we are in the annals of history now, and the uh, you know the, the the going back in Parliament in a hundred years' time, they'll be looking in at this in Hansard. They'll be looking at this quirky bit of history, going, "What the fuck is that all about?" Yeah. And um, that's what we did, you know. And I can say that's what we do for a living. And and the and the end result after that week of madness and and good fun was that actually Sainsbury's even came out and reported publicly that sales of Weetabix were up. 15% um, year on year for that week in comparison. So it, it kind of also demonstrated the power of PR and that actually what we do sometimes really works for brands and helps them sell more stuff. So Graham, as far as I understand, James used to work for you or you were, you were his boss. What dirt can you dish? Can you give me anything that I can rib him for? Oh dear. Nah. You know, I can't really remember. I remember him being quite, um, uh, you know, a talented uh, a guy you know he wasn't always the easiest to manage I think in that you know he wasn't okay. you know, well I mean for me I personally I quite like people who you know don't take no for an answer necessarily or have a strong opinion so he was opinionated um, probably mm. thought he was a little bit better than he was at the time so uh, <laughs> <laughs> okay. sort of kind of you know kind of but that to me you know kind of the positive showed ambition and confidence in his own ability um and i remember we played football a couple of times we had frank fc at the time and, right, and, did, yeah. and you know he wasn't he wasn't bad on the pitch i it wasn't didn't quite have the silky skills that i tended to showcase uh, for the team in 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 those miniature cameo roles that i used to perform but certainly had a good engine on him and uh, and you know you could see that he, he could play a bit so yeah i remember those things about him yeah, I, I, I've got one overriding memory of working with you, Graham. is that time you made me wear an Arsenal shirt at the company away day. But I can't remember what reason that was some kind of forfeit. I'm sure it was a very good reason. Um, yeah, and then took a picture of me and had it up on screen by the afternoon. Uh, uh, thus emotionally damaging me for the rest of my life. So Great thanks. Thanks for that. Um, we should maybe find that and use that. You could use this for the podcast series really well to promote it, perhaps. If you have a picture of it, Graham, if you could send it, it will be somewhere. It will be somewhere on our servers. Funnily, if we're just as part of the MBO that I've just done, we're just migrating servers over and tidying everything up and and storing, realizing what we need to store. So maybe we'll have a ferret around for that because that might be worth a few quid in in Absolutely. kind of. I, kind I certainly of... would pay a lot of good money for it, Graham. Oh, there Jesus. you go. Uh, we'll see All what right. we can do. We'll see what we can do. Okay, <laughs> well, moving swiftly on uh, from that. So we want to. But you wish about... you hadn't asked me to be on now, eh? <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm regretting the choice, but it's fine. I, I, it can only go upwards from here, I think. So, uh, um, we want to talk about your your beloved Arsenal. I can't even say that. Uh, yeah. Arsenal, beloved Arsenal. 
Uh, you've been a fan for for a while now, Graham. How how many years is it as a gooner? Well, I'm 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 a bit of an old bloke now. I'm 55. Um, my dad started taking me to Arsenal when I was six. So I've been, and he was he he always went. He had a season ticket and went with a mate of his when he was younger. He got married, had me. And then I was obviously interested in football and said, Dad, when can we go again? And he got his season tickets back because in those days, if you couldn't give up your season tickets because you never could get them back again. Um, and he'd, he'd, so he still had them in his name, but he'd like sublet them to another guy for uh, the interim period. Um, and so he started taking me, I remember going with him in 72 and, and unfortunately he passed away five years ago now, but we had, you know, 40 odd, brilliant years of going to football um going to the arsenal every every home game he didn't do the away games really although he did take me incidentally my first ever away game which i remember so first home game 72 first away game was in 1978 at white hart lane um and um i remember going there and it was fantastic atmosphere and i kind of gave me the bug even more i had the bug already for going to football but this was the bug for away games and we sat with the arsenal fans as uh, a liam brady inspired arsenal um saw us to a 5-0 victory at the lane which was uh, not bad for your first away game that's one you tend to remember um as as, as for a first away game luckily lots of good memories since but i really miss you know, football with me, with me old man, I think, you know, it's part of the experience for me was the father son thing. And when I look back on it, all the crap games we must have seen or whatever, you don't really care about that. It was about going to football with your dad, normally on a Saturday afternoon in those days, or certainly on the weekend. And I'm happy to say that now I've got um, twins, I've got a boy and a girl, they're both 21. Um, and they love football, they're massive Arsenal fans. And I, you know, I've got two, two scene tickets now. And but normally my daughter is the one that's, that's sort of passionate about it. But I take my son, he probably comes most of the time, he's at university in Birmingham, she's in Nottingham. So we'll come down, when we could to go and see games and um you know we're all looking forward to getting back at the emirates again once uh once covid's out of the way with yeah definitely and i i mean you know rivalries aside i think it's like the experience of going to football i think is, is what's important most of the time particularly when you don't win fuck all like we do um <laughs> and just on that note so so you know the the, the, the well you won the but, to, but just on that james you, you won the league in november didn't you wasn't it? You'd won the league in November. Yeah, yeah. Sure, I thought said, it was. Put the name on the title. I do remember that, celebrating yeah. it, so it must yeah. have happened. Yeah. 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 yeah, yeah. So, so you you have you can say you have anyway. Obviously, you're yeah. never going to see it in your lifetime, but you can say you've maybe seen it in in November. Yeah, yeah. they they were they were heady days back in November. <laughs> <laughs> um, and yeah, on, on that note, so obviously the podcast is it's always us, and we're going to talk about we're going to talk about the shit times being an Arsenal fan, the times you've been screwed over. But I just I just want to want to read this out so. FA Cup winners 2019 20, 2016 17, 2014 15, 2013 14. You last won the Premier League in 2003 4, yeah. having won it the previous season or the two seasons before that. Um, Europa League final in recent history. So, why are Arsenal fans also really unhappy all the time? <laughs> I don't know whether they are i mean it's i i have to say i've um it depends how far you go back like you've got an older bloke on now so when i started going was absolute 
shit times. You know, that was the times I was actually talking about it with a taxi driver this morning. He's a West Ham fan who's about my age. And we, we're kind of talking about football going, going, going back as far as we could remember. And, you know, when I started, we, the double team was just breaking up this great double team, which I never really saw play. I was, you know, I, I kind of never remember. And the seventies were, were rubbish times for Arsenal. They had like sometimes I think they got the lowest ever attendance. They had 12, 13,000 people. They were rudderless. There was no direction. They were crap. I mean, as I said, I love going to football with my dad on Saturday. That was the, that was the big treat for me. You know, the result was, was a bit of So I went through painful times, but that's all I knew. That was my norm. So I couldn't really complain about it. I thought that was what football was like. So after that, it's been absolutely brilliant. And even in the times that maybe younger fans might say have been a bit ropey over the last few years, they ain't nearly as terrible as they were at a freezing cold hybrid on a Saturday afternoon with 14,000 people watching us get beat, which is what I've been to. So, you know, if you're a true fan, then you're grateful for what you've got. Like an amazing ground, you know, I mean, we haven't got the best team that I've ever seen play for Arsenal, alone, but I can't get, I can't get, I don't get, I'm not a disgruntled Arsenal fan. I, I, I kind of don't view success for me as being top four. I never did. To me, success is that roll call of, of trophies that you, that you read out and you missed out. For example, quite a few trophies that count. I mean, for me, you know, the Community Shield or Charity Shield, as it used to be called, you know, we won that at the start of the season. That was quite happy with that. And I've been quite happy when we won that before because that's, Maybe it's a glorified friendly, but, um, you know, I think, you know, I mean, Spurs celebrated, they won the Audi Cup. Um, I don't know if there's Aldi or Aldi, whichever one is either the cheapo supermarket or or the or the German car brand, one of them. You won that a few years ago, which I think was was pretty significant. I think you brought out a commemorative video and uh, and DVD series and mugs and plates and all that sort of shit mm, that you could it, buy. It was um, actually it was it was reminiscent of the uh, Peace Cup we won in 2006. <laughs> I think that's why everyone was so excited about it. It brought back go. those memories, you know, of, uh, of Maurizio Tarico bombing down the down the wing or whoever it was at the time anyway back to arsenal yeah um, sorry yeah <laughs> uh, yeah i think i haven't spoken to you in a long time so i'm obviously going to get the odd dig back at you with spurs yeah yeah they're only little light jabs really i haven't i haven't, haven't really hit you with a knockout blow yet that's fine that's what we'll keep it coming <laughs> jamie jamie's having the time of his life oh, I can see. i've never seen jamie smile more in my life if only listeners <laughs> could see the look on his face um so yeah so so bad times at the start better times later and now you know there's, there's a there's a rebuild but let's let's go to your the, the first one that you sent to us i want to know why this this grates you so much so we're looking at the fa cup semi-final the famous uh, one people will remember for ryan Giggs's goal and maybe more so for his chest hair celebration um, but before that, there was there was an incident that you've highlighted as part of the game um, and maybe the game in general. So what is it about? It was it was the whole game. Like, I mean, I think it, it was the whole game in general. I think at that time, um, Arsenal's main rivals weren't weren't Spurs, and I, I'm not sure they are so much now. I mean, actually, Arsenal and Spurs are perhaps a closer rivals than they were back at this time. This was in uh, 1999, so 22 years ago now, I guess. Um, and and it was between Arsenal and Man United, basically then every season. It was a, it was a brilliant rivalry. And those games were, A, you didn't like each other because you didn't really like them in Man United, but there was a real rivalry because the teams were, were, were pretty much neck and neck. And uh, we just, I think the first 
this was a replay, an FA Cup semi-final replay, I think, when they had them. And the first one, I think, was nil-nil. It was really, you, you couldn't put anything between the teams. And uh, there we were. I remember going to Villa Park on uh, Tuesday or, or Wednesday night um, for, the, uh, for the replay. And um, we were playing well. We had a great team. We had Burkamp in his pomp um, playing for us. And, and um, I can't remember why he ended up doing it. But it, it we got towards the end of the game. Keane did some stupid tackle, got sent off. So Keane's off. Man United are down to 10 men. FA Cup semi-final. We get a penalty with about five minutes to go. Um, um, Burkamp steps up. And, and Burkamp wasn't a great penalty taker. Brilliant player. Probably one of the best players I've ever seen. But wasn't, wasn't, wasn't one to take penalties. And he must have taken the penalty because whoever was the penalty taker, probably right, was, was off or whatever. Um, and Schmeichel saves it. Camp will take it, and three of his last five penalties for Arsenal have been saved. Two international greats here, and a decisive moment in an FA Cup semi-final replay. Bergkamp and Schmeichel, and Schmeichel has saved it! What a hero for Manchester United! Arsenal on the brink of Wembley... They've been turned away by the hands of the great Dane. So it goes to extra time, but you know, so you were gutted when he missed the penalty because you had it. Because it was kind of the way history panned out, you know, because after that, Man United went on to win it. Like you said, Giggs scores this goal in extra time where he runs from the halfway line, gets past the whole Arsenal legendary defence. Dumb as Dixon, cuts bold and ends up on his arse. Adams goes the wrong way and he thwacks it in the roof of the net, um, you know, over Seaman's head. So they're great players and it was an incredible goal. He runs running around, takes his shirt off, twirling his, his shirt around his head, hairy chest galore. That hairy, him and that hairy chest were on millions of girls' bedroom walls, you know, for years later. It's probably on your bedroom wall as you were growing up as well, James, um, at the same time. Um, and, um, you know, the thing about that is as much as you hated Man United, they went on to win the treble after that. And I, I think that if Burkamp's penalty goes in, we win 1-0. Happy days. United don't win a treble. I'm not even sure they'd have maybe perhaps gone on to win the league. Maybe their confidence had been dented for that dramatic finish in Europe. Who knows? You know, it's kind of one of those sliding doors moments. Um, and, Berk- and I just remember it just, just being really upset because we had a good team and we were fancied it was 10 men and, and then what happened afterwards was the thing that perhaps made it even more upsetting was the impact that it caused and you know Man United springboard then you know the, the, winning the treble was a massive springboard for them going going ahead in the future so that was my that was my first one I think yeah Jamie remember you're you're a young fella but memories of that night yeah uh, probably a bit a little bit before my time I have to say um, but yeah, obviously that Ryan Giggs goal gets replayed every 10 seconds whenever there's anything to do with the FA Cup or anything, which is very frustrating. But yeah, it, it was a shame because we'd obviously, we'd, we'd, I think we'd won the league the previous season. So, you know, it was one of those things we were hoping to build on it. And yeah, it's people going about the United, how great they were in 99. And we're kind of, well, yeah, they were all right. But we were sort of, you know, how close Arsenal were to Man U. And I think over the years, how close we were to Man U doesn't really get, talked about you know sort of how great and united were it's like well arsenal were pretty were, were there or thereabouts you know into the league or the fa cup and stuff like that so yeah it was neck and neck and that whole period then was defined by the man united treble you know that kind of was the was the thing and also it's 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 a feat that 
it's getting harder and harder to achieve in modern football, I think, that, you know, that treble, particularly, you know, perhaps with, you know, people not taking the FA Cup quite as seriously as, as they would a couple of European competitions. So there's Europa as well as the, you know, Champions League um, going on and, and the league is a, you know, is a, is, a, is a right slog. So actually with all the amount of games and the pressure on players and injuries that they're getting as well and the protectiveness around players, I'm not sure we'll ever see that feat repeated by an English club. So they've done it and, uh, you know, it kind of hurt as well because there's no love lost there between hardcore Arsenal fans and, and Man United, I'm sure. Mm. I've felt, especially given your recent history of winning FA Cups, you know, maybe when everyone else viewed you as being, let's say, crap compared to how you were maybe a decade ago, that it seems to be in the Arsenal DNA, it's almost the anti-Spurs. It's like, it doesn't matter how bad we are, we, we still win trophies. I don't, is that something that you guys as Arsenal fans feel? Or was there anything, was, what happened in this game and the eventual capitulation, is that, is that something that you're still capable of? I'm thinking of that that League Cup final you mentioned earlier, Jamie, when you lost to Birmingham. Great day. Yeah. You know, you, you've occasionally bottled the big occasions. I, I, I was I was there at that League Cup final. I'll tell you what it is with the FA Cup, and maybe it's a personal thing with me. And they always say it's more disappointing to lose a semi-final than a final because you're sort of one step away from the big day. And in those days as well, they didn't play... Well, they, they played a, a couple of semi-finals, like freak semi-finals when Arsenal played Spurs, actually, at Wembley. But those aside, they didn't play the semi-final um, at Wembley, which to me maybe dulls the impact of the final a little bit. Um, so it was, you know, you're missing out on a whole trip to Wembley. And that was that was also absolutely part of, of part of, a part of, you know, losing that sort of thing. But the FA Cup has always meant a lot to me. I started going, and again, I said I went to start going in 72. And my dad, I went to my first FA Cup final was in 78 when I was, you know, I was only 12 years old. And I remember we lost that to Ipswich. Ipswich were in Division 2 at the time. And we were in Division 1. So, and we were massive favourites. They were massive underdogs. And I went there, I was all excited and, you know, kind of with my scarf and my rosette and whatever sort of stuff went with me, old band to that game. And, and, and I, I remember being, you know, really, really heartbroken as a kid. I mean, it could have easily been up there as, as one of these moments. Um, but I was naive and young. So, you know, I, I was, it kind of, I hadn't had the experience, you know, to get really upset. I was just emotionally upset. But then the next year, we went back there and we played Man United in the, in the final. If you remember the 79 Cup final when Alan Sunderland scores the last minute winner. But in that game, we'd been 2-0 up. Um, and then I remember my dad saying to me, my dad was always one of these ones as well that used to like to leave five minutes before the end to miss the traffic or whatever it was. And I remember at the FA Cup final, 78, 2-0 up, cruising really. It wasn't a very good game, but we were cruising for, to a victory. And dad said to me, come on, son, let's, uh, let's, let's nip out a few minutes early and, and miss the worst of the crowds and traffic. I said, no, dad, no. I was so upset after last year when we lost. You've got to let me stay to watch us lift it. He said, all right. And then Man United go and score two goals in the next five minutes to, you know, to, to leave it 2-2 two, two at nine minutes. And then I'm again thinking, oh my God, Lightning's going to strike twice. This kind of did my head in last year. What's going to happen? Luckily, Alan Sunderland uh, stepped up and, and slid in to score the winner at the far, at the far post. So the FA Cup's been part of me since I was a kid and some of my highs and lows from that time. And, and maybe it is with Arsenal fans. It's been a, a a trophy that we've always tended to 
do pretty well in and, and there's nothing better than a day at Wembley and now I go with my kids or whatever it's it's brilliant fun um and you should experience some uh, James because they're, they're great their league cup final I mean, you played there. I mean, Spurs actually tried to do it by playing there, by <laughs> by by you know by paying Wembley you know a bit of rent to try and try and recreate that moment. But it wasn't quite the same thing. Yeah, no, we've 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 managed to reach a few semis in recent times, but we could never quite quite get over that last hurdle, even against no. Portsmouth, <laughs> which I was also. I've been to pretty much all our semi-finals that we've lost, and it never gets easier. Um, but look, one one thing that we we have in common uh, as rivals, Graham is that we've both been to the Champions League final and lost in somewhat controversial circumstances, maybe fair to say. Uh, probably not as controversial as a handball law, which then got changed because of what happened in it. But um, mm. let's go back to, uh, to Barcelona against Arsenal, one of the greatest nights of my life, um, when uh, you guys very, very nearly brought home the, the, the trophy that, that Wenger always coveted. Uh, but yeah, you know, look, I mean, I, I always thought, uh, you know, I always thought that Arsenal had uh, enough good sides to and should have won the Champions League, particularly the Invincibles. Like, look, what they achieved is obviously historic. And I'm, again, I'm not sure even when you've got an amazing team like Man City or had an amazing team like Liverpool, I'm not even sure their achievement in the Invincibles is going to be eclipsed. And what they did was incredible. But I've, I felt but it would have been easy with the players, some of the players we had over the years, how we didn't win the Champions League amazes me and we should have won it. I think that was our kind of window of opportunity. Hopefully it will come again. And, and there I was in in in, in Paris in, in, in 2006 against Barcelona. And I sort of fancied us. We had, a, we had a good team in those days. You know, it was obviously the, you know, some, some great players led by Thierry Henry up front, Vieira, all those players. And everyone was fit. We, we had, didn't really have a keeper though um, in reserve for what was needed. And, 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 and what happened unbelievably not long into the game, as I remember, like you say, was that um, uh, James Lehman, our, our goalkeeper, proceeded to, uh, to get sent off. Um, and put us down to 10 men. I remember Manuel Amunia came in. He had, I think he had bleach blonde hair then as well when he came for fun. And he was never really a great keeper. He didn't do badly. But against all odds, with 10 men against Barcelona in the final, we then go and go 1-0 up. I remember a good player we had. Like, he was, it was all right. He got him from Spurs, some, some yeah. geezer. I can't remember. He was free transfer, so he couldn't have been that good. He wasn't. Yeah. He was, he was like yeah. captain um, or anything, was he? Captain, yeah, I think it was actually. Uh, yeah, uh, it was. It, I think it was actually quite liked by Spurs fans. Mm. I tell you, like, did you like him, James? That that Campbell bloke was he? Uh, I I don't speak his name, Graham. That that should tell you everything. <laughs> <laughs> he's not known. He's not known by his real name with with us anymore. Um, but uh, anyway, yeah, so <laughs> so 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 Sol Campbell um, um, heads home um, the first goal great to head. put us one 0 up. It was a great header, towering head. I think from uh, an Abue free kick. Who was. Uh, did quite well for us. wasn't the greatest player, but 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 you know did it did a great job for us. And and then in the second half we we sort of were, were playing well. Ten men, feisty spirit. I remember when uh, Lehman got sent off. I think Perez it was had to get sacrificed as uh, as 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 the as the player to to bring on uh, another keeper. It was obviously Perez was 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 you know top of his game at that time as well. Um, and then I remember in the second half we were withstanding the the Barcelona storm, and then. Um, Literally, a storm happened and it started pissing down with rain. I remember, uh, and then Henri went one on one, um, through on goal. And unusually for Henri, didn't 
put it home, put it away. And, um, and we tired and the rain started pouring down. I remember it was like, it was almost biblical. And then Barcelona equalised and they scored their right back, I think it was, I can't remember his name, scored, uh, yeah, exactly, exactly, must have been, um, scored with about five minutes uh, to go, beat Armunio on the near post. And um, it was just, it was gutting to be at that pinnacle. For me, the reason it was kind of more gutting is that I, I'd seen us, I'd, I'd seen everything with Arsenal since when all the other competitions, leagues, cups, like we talked about and stuff like that. For me, I thought once we win the Champions League, that's it. Uh, that football, done. You know, I kind of seen us win everything. Champions League will be, will be it. I, I, I get the pressure's off. I, I, football now, <laughs> lovely, lovely little hobby. doesn't really mean too much to me because it's yeah. all done. So that's, that's where I was. That is exactly what I said when we got to the final and we only won all the other stuff. I was like, I could just, I could just stop worrying about it then. Like it's, it's a thing that happened and you know, everything yeah. else is sort of, it, it pales as insignificance, isn't it? But, exactly. I, I'm yeah. not sure that that would, would have been the case. I don't know. We still haven't done it. You haven't done it. So you'd have to ask like a Liverpool fan or a Man United fan whether that's the case. I don't think it is actually the case. But for me, it would have, I would have seen it all was basically it and been there and seen it all. So it was, it was, it was probably a selfish thing for me. That, you know, that for me was the end of my, could have been the end of my days as an Arsenal, as a warring Arsenal fan, not as a fan. But I wouldn't have had that, that pressure and that expectation to try and see everything. And, and I just, also remember coming out of that game as I said the heavens had opened with about 15 minutes to go when Barcelona went and scored their goals and, I, and it was pissing down I remember it was a f- bloody long walk back to wherever the metro station was I got absolutely drenched because it was a lovely day when you set off to the stadium so you were kind of clothed inappropriately and um and by the time I, you know, we got back to the metro we had just sodden through we just lost it I was just just you know just that just kind of added salt to the wounds or you know however you want to say it and then that was you know we had you know again great players and a great threat in those days and as i said that that team at that 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 time i think should have if i look back on it now should have achieved more if you see the sort of players you've got now who were just hopeful if they can get in the europa league or whatever that was a team that you expected to be certainly winning the league certainly competing to win the Champions League every year when kind of nowhere near that. So we were privileged times, but these things come in, football goes in cycles, unless you're a Spurs fan, in which it's just a perennial doom and gloom. Yeah, and we wear that with a, like a badge of honour. <laughs> <laughs> Why do you think I started this podcast? I want to hear other people's misery <laughs> from yeah. our own. <laughs> yeah, it's look, it's 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 tough. To, I, I I'm I'm in a weird way. I'm proud to be able to stand here next to you guys and say that I know how that feels to lose a Champions League final. You know, it's it's it take the piss all you want, but it was, you know, you just you start to dream, uh, even when you're up against a side like Barcelona and a side like, and arguably, you know, the, the team Arsenal had back then, you could argue were more deserving based on the things they'd already won up to that point to, to oh, really yeah. be that for us it was a little bit of like we can't really quite believe this has happened as good as I couldn't believe it that, that that I couldn't believe it when you when you had that run last you know the, the year before last I, I was mm. it was unbelievable I mean I always remember like one of my best mates I mean it can't really be one of my it can't be my best mate as a Spurs fan but one of my best mates is uh is a massive Spurs fan home or away and I know you know I was sort of happy for him that you know he was out in in like with you and the game in Ajax that incredible uh, did you go to that game were you there I, no yeah. I, I, I didn't go to that I went to the final but I didn't go to the second. yeah I mean he was there like, you know that was an incredible night. and actually I remember just a, a little aside which you would have thought Spurs winning the uh 
the semi-final in that dramatic fashion would hurt an Arsenal fan. Yeah, he would have thought at half time as an insurance um, against me being too disappointed in their massively unlikely event Spurs ever won. Obviously, the Champions League final was helped by the fact that you conceded a goal in about you know, the first minute or two, wasn't it? And it was kind of game over really from then against a really good Liverpool side, unfortunately for you at that time. But, you know, everything, the gods just worked, didn't they? Every game against Man City with the VAR, everything... You know, you did think your name was on the trophy, yeah, and then yeah. You, and then and then you realise you're Spurs, and then you realise, well, yeah, it was it was just the most yeah. Spurs thing to ever happen of all time. It was great, but we've covered we've covered that. I think it speaks volumes. I've always thought about Arsenal fans. You are a bit obsessed with Tottenham for some weird reason, and we spent half of this Arsenal podcast talking about Spurs. I'm gonna I'm gonna move us away from from that uh, a little bit into uh, into your third one, Graham, which is um, you know, it's a bit more of a somber one. Um, well, we'll get to we'll get to to why that is. Yeah. Um, but in, I'm interested to because this isn't one I wouldn't have necessarily put there. But you've you've got David Rocastle leaving the club uh, for Leeds as your as your third. Yeah. Well, there was kind of two. There was two parts to it. I mean, there, you know, Rocky Rocastle, David Rocky Rocastle was what well, is an Arsenal legend, um, and was one of my favourite players. I mean, it's simple as that. And you know, at the time was my favourite player. I mean, you know, luckily we've had a lot of good, you know, players in the team. He was number seven, which was always a great position. Brady had played in it. It was, you know, probably my favourite player when I was when I was smaller. And then Rocky came in and he was a player that had grown up with Arsenal, was Arsenal through and through, is famous for his, you know, kind of um, passion for the club and living and breathing all the values of the club. Um, and was a, was in quite a team when it was a bit of a, I don't know, it was George Graham year. So Arsenal were good and successful, but a bit shit to watch and a bit boring to watch. That was where the old 1-0 to the Arsenal um, came from. But after the rubbish times we'd had, it was you just, as a fan, you were just happy to see them win. But they didn't have a ton of quality. Um, and the one exception to that, apart from maybe Anders Limpar at that time, was was Rocky and and was 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 a brilliant player. Beautiful to watch some of the stuff he could do with the ball, on the ball, beat players, score goals, and he was Arsenal through and through. And he was, you know, he, he, in those days you didn't sort of tap the badge on the chest, but he would have been the person, the only person that would have done it, and you knew that he meant it, type thing. And um, and. He got an injury. I think his his knees started to play up, and and when he left, you kind of he was one of those players that you thought was Mr. Arsenal, like a Tony Adams was always going to play for club. He didn't want to leave, and I remember at the time he 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 said he didn't want to go. George Graham was was a tough guy, a tough manager, um, and um, you know was was kind of just just saw victory and saw success and and he wasn't part of his plans and I remember when he went he didn't he didn't endear himself but he was a nice chap he didn't endear himself massively to his fans or he risked not endearing himself by saying I don't want to go don't want to leave Arsenal I don't I remember it clearly and none of the fans wanted him to leave but it was probably with hindsight footballing wise the right decision he, he he did go in in 92 it was and um he um he never really lived up to the form. He'd had dodgy knees and knee injuries and, uh, you know, I don't know. He obviously died of, of cancer, um, as most people know, in 2001. It was actually poignant because, you know, I was thinking about it when I was when I was coming up with, with what my worst moments were. And, and, and uh, it was only yesterday in 2001, March the 31st, um, that he... Uh, that, that, that 
that that he died so you know it kind of makes you think again, that was also a pretty sad day as well I remember and you know there was Arsenal game um that weekend just after he died and the shock and you know the guy was uh 33 years old 32 or 33 when he died such a young age the shock that was felt by you know the Arsenal fans and probably all the football but the Arsenal fans that had grown up with him and seen him and and to find out he died I remember the game and his kids came out on the pitch as well and his wife and stuff I mean it was it's terrible so you know when when someone one of your heroes dies um, let alone leaves the club was was terrible and I think that's a real low for me uh, as an Arsenal fan and I'm just happy that he's a legend now he's on the outside of the of of the Emirates Stadium and you know what at, at plenty of times when we used to be allowed to go to football you know you'd hear that oh Rocky 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 sung by the fans and we'll still break into that 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 tune every now and then I think they like to sing at about the seventh minute because he was just just a great number seven so yeah Rocky leaving and then unfortunately passing away is is definitely um would would be one of my three um really bad moments of of, of being an Arsenal fan mm. Jamie, again, this would have been before your time, but as a younger Arsenal fan, are you aware of, of the sort of the Rocky legend? And Yeah, there's an amazing documentary that Ian Wright has been a part of and has done, talks about their relationship and how they sort of, uh, you know, they basically grew up together and how Ian Wright was so excited to join the club with Rocky as mess mate. And then, yeah, just very upsetting as just for any fan of football that you know their mates were together for a season and then they uh obviously rocky left so now it's uh and you watch your skills on youtube and stuff like that and honestly yeah he would have if he was around today i think he would have been one of the big stars in the premiership just because he could yeah you watch his skill he had amazing skills really strong tough guy as well and he like, it was really tough he was he wasn't he wasn't big he was probably five eight five nine wasn't massive but he was he went in for tackles like like he you know his life depended on it um and he was skillful like like you say the the documentary was right he was brilliant it's on bt sport i think mm. they had it and uh they're both born up brought up in the same estate in broccoli and it was you know that the story was they used to play football together and 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 Rowcastle was making it and was saying to Wrighty come on you can do it and Wrighty's career was a bit you know was languishing a little bit and he, he wasn't making the most of his ability perhaps and and then the opportunity obviously he was a late developer and he ended up playing with with Rowcastle and he, he does he talks about it he was talking about it the other day on 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 Instagram he posted a long story about um, his relationship with Rocky you know on the anniversary of his death and talking about how it was down to him down to Rocky that 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 right he actually made it and had the confidence to to showcase his abilities and, and become a football so an inspirational guy to others including Wrighty, who's also obviously an Arsenal legend and Arsenal favourite as well. You know, and he seemed a, a lovely, lovely young man as well. And taken yeah. too soon. Yeah, very sad. Very mm. sad. Yeah. Um, so look, we're coming towards the end. But I, so normally, Graham, when, when we do these, like there seems to be a bit of a recurring theme that we try and wrap up at the end. But um, I'm struggling with this one a little bit because you've, you've talked to us about losing a couple of big games, a semi and a final. So you'd say, oh, yeah, that's Arsenal. Yeah, they they bottle big games, but you don't because you've won trophies, you've won big games. You've talked about a player leaving, but you know, generally speaking, you, you've kept your kind of your best players in their prime. So I'm just wondering if, if someone said, you know, what is typical Arsenal? Like if you're coming out of the ground one day and you're like, oh, typical Arsenal, what is that over the years that you've supported the club? Can you can you put your finger on that? Being better than Spurs. 
I, I set myself up for that one, didn't yeah. I? Well, I mean, I mean, yeah, come. So I would say for me, it's that we go into every game and we've like we've got line up and we think, oh, great, this person's here, or you know, we've got a great formation, and then we have the potential to be really dreadful for absolutely no reason at all. And there's some, for some reason we're not you know we're not playing well, and that's a very Arsenal thing. Is even with Wenger and with Emery and Arteta, and I'm not sure I've, I've only ever watched uh, from from those three guys, but yeah. you just have a, a, no matter what, the, what team we put out, and you look at some of the teams we put out, you think how on earth have they won a game? But then we also put out teams where you think, oh, these guys we should walk all over them, and we've not. Mm. And it's been a mm. kind of I don't know how you feel about this, Graham, but it's been kind of a. It, it, it happens, and that's it's a very Arsenal thing that we can have our best team out and be crap. Yeah, I, I think. I mean, I think in more recent years, maybe under Wenger, we had a. a, a, a you would you'd have said that uh, you know that that moment we were quite fragile sometimes, and and particularly under Wenger, Wenger, there was a fragility there where we could blow leads, or you know it could get really nervy in the last twenty minutes or so, and, and you know there were games which were utterly ridiculous that we didn't win or, or hold on to when we should have. And that kind of wasn't the case before Wenger. It wasn't really the case, hasn't really been that the case so much since. So that, that would have been typical Arsenal, you know, during the bad Wenger years would have been sort of fragility and everyone used to, you know, kind of go on about us against a, I don't know, a Rory Delap throw or going up to Stoke or wherever it was on a cold Tuesday night and a wet Tuesday night, you know, and the Sam Allardyce teams, they, they did turn us over sometimes. That was perhaps typical Arsenal. But again, when, when, you, when you've watched so many shit years and when you're a bit older like me, there isn't really a trend that, that kind of, you know, kind of goes through it. I mean, Arsenal as a club, the consistent thing, which is typical Arsenal, is that they always have tended to do things the right way. And, and there's a very proper Britishness about Arsenal. So in a non-critical way, what's typical Arsenal is class, tradition, upkeeping, all the values that, that, that really are important to, to yeah. me. James moving, 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 sniggering about moving your club Arsenal. across London after failing to merge with another one. Ago, and, well, that was actually slightly over 100. Yeah. Slightly over a hundred years ago, had been the only London club to have a tube station um, named after it, and in one of the first and earliest and best PR stunts ever. Do you know that they changed the road? They changed the name. Herbert Chapman changed the name from Avenal Road to Arsenal as a as an awareness exercise to boost the fact that the club now existed in North London, where it has been the dominant force ever since. Absolutely, yeah. here, here, and I'm sure no under the table payments were made to make that happen. Um, so. <laughs> Graham, that's uh, that's brilliant. Thanks so much for for joining us and talking us all about the Gooners uh, and your experiences. If you want after the show, uh, I've got a number of good psychiatrists that can help you with your Spurs obsession because I'm a bit worried. You just can't stop mentioning them every five seconds. Only because um, it's you, mate. Only because it's you. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Jamie, as 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 the Gooner on the show, I think final words with you, maybe. Well, yeah, I'd just like to thank uh, Graham for his time. I really appreciate it. And yeah, I think he's absolutely right. The, your stadium does look like a toilet bowl. I gave you a shot, Jamie, and that's what you went with. But yeah. thanks. <laughs> thanks so much. Cheers, Graham. Thanks a lot. Thanks, guys. It's Always Us is hosted and produced by James Regal and Jamie McDonald. This funky theme music was written and performed by Morrison Marr. AKA Moss Tones on SoundCloud. 
If you've got any comments for the show or just want to share the pain supporting your team, you can find us on Twitter at It's Always Us Pod or email us at It's Always Us Pod at gmail.com. And of course, please support us by subscribing to the podcast and leaving us a rating and review. Thanks for listening and see you next time.